Nestled between the lava flats and a mountain they call Orchid Sister, there is a village called Pavilion, a traditional stilt home village with a small reputation for traditional arts, built around an ancient stone amphitheater. Pavilion boasts the finest acoustic engineers on the continent and productions that date back to before the cataclysm. The people of Pavilion raise crops on the dark volcanic soil, tend livestock, and gather regularly to celebrate the unique magic of theater and music, as they have for longer than even they know. Like all villages in Amilta, they are not untouched by danger and tragedy. But will they be touched tonight? Welcome to Sword of Symphonies. I'm your host, Hello. your king. The, yes, hi, Kirsten. <laughs> Kirsten is very excited. How are you today, bud? <laughs> doing all right, doing all right. Glad to hear it. Kirsten's with us. That's great. We have Kathleen. I'm kind of still in shock at like how big that leap over the gun it was. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's at the at the start. They they've got their feet in the starting blocks, and I'm like, and they, they they don't they don't even have the gun in the air yet. This just yeah, Kristen figured like, out the trick. <laughs> if you start running when they shout to your mark, then right. Oh god, that guy's got a gun. <laughs> <laughs> So Nick is with us. Say hello to everybody, Nick. Hello to everybody, Nick. God damn it. How many no. times are you going to do that one? Uh, it's actually been a while since I've done that one. This is true. Nick, I mean this in the most affectionate way. You're a human Muppet. <laughs> I, I wish I could do Muppet voices, but I really can't. That's okay. Mm. You're a Muppet in our hearts. And speaking of children's television... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a good segue, but Bill is here. <laughs> Hi, I like to walk into my house and switch my shoes for different shoes and my jacket for a sweater. And then I uh, um, I talked to, was there a mailman character on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood? There sure was. Okay. I want to hang out with the mailman. Yeah. Who didn't? It was a good mailman. Cat, is there a mailman in this episode? I know it's kind of spoilers. You know what? Yeah. But cool. he's asleep because it's nighttime. <sighs> well, Penelope needs to send fun. off some mail. But she promised to be better about it and hasn't in a while. Mm. Yeah, we all knew that she was lying. <laughs> so previously, previously, oh yeah, I forgot to introduce, I'm Kat. Hi, Kat. Hi, Kat. Hello. Hello. Hi, everybody. I'm in charge. <laughs> So previously on Sword of Symphonies, the party wandered into the jungle to look for the pollen of the violet bat bell, an enormous flower that blooms once every 20 years. It's wanted for its rare psychoactive properties, both as an object of study and as an object of recreation by many people around the Coral Coast at this time. The party met a researcher who had fallen victim to an entire field of bat bells, their pollen thick on the air. Canel, 
who explained to the party that they were a researcher from the history department who was studying an ancient coming-of-age ritual that incorporated bat bell pollen. And just as they managed to bring Canella out of their haze, the wind kicked up. And I said that in a very ominous way, and I just need you all to know that I meant it in a very ominous way. The wind is kicking up. Oh. Um, and we're currently inside some ruins, yeah? Yeah. As much as one can be inside this particular ruins, yeah. It's quite open, yes. Ken, are there ruins nearby that are more inside? If you go deeper into the jungle, yeah. Okay. Is it fair to say that with my eye spots specialty, I can notice the wind picking up pretty quickly? Oh, yes. Yes, okay. yes, yes. I think as soon as soon as Tissa feels around and senses the word wind on the air, there's this little sense in the back of Cecile's head that's like, oh, no. Oh, this can go very bad. Okay. Then as I'm like still trying to scrape from the bat bell, I'm just going to like perk up and I don't know, grab at Cobb's sleeve or poke him on the shoulder or something and point towards, uh, I guess, further up the mountain. This is going to be a problem very quickly. We we need to go. And I want to pull at him and run towards a gang that's still in the ruins. And I am going to roll adaptability navigation, or would it be... I am looking for quickest way to get to uh, more safe ruins. Mm. Yeah, adaptability navigation sounds about right. Wonderful. That is <laughs> one edge success. Okay. I see. This is going to be one of those sessions. <laughs> because this is one of those situations where the information I have for you is uh, not great. You know what? If you keep the edge success, I will tell you the answer to your question. Yeah, of course. Okay. There are not other ruins nearby. There is, however, a fully inhabited village. Downwind. Oh, no. Okay. Neat. Yeah, I guess I, I kind of bounce into the ruins where uh, <clears throat> Tissa and Canel uh, and... Penelope, you were in there too, right? Yeah, I was inside the ruins. It's not safe here. It's time to go. The wind. The wind, yeah. There's going to be more. Um, I am fully willing to throw Canel over my shoulder. If... Uh, <laughs> There's like a grand scramble for yeah. <laughs> like who is going to throw Canil over his or her shoulder. <laughs> I've learned I've learned people don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I have to remind you, Kirsten, that you should have learned people don't like that from your physical real experiences as a human being. <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. That was when you should have learned that. Not on the podcast. <laughs> I was slow. I was a little later sometimes. Like, <laughs> takes takes a few stab at things, and then, <laughs> then, it, then, then it comes. I mean, if Kirsten needed the podcast, I'm glad it was here for her. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Yeah. So, gang, I'm just going to throw you all straight into an encounter. This is our first encounter with a natural disaster. The pollen fog. Ooh. So, 
In order to destroy, you need to clear the air. You need to remove the pollen from the air. In order to redirect, you need to prevent the pollen fog from reaching the village. In order to outlast, you need to protect the people in the fog, yourself and the people of the village if it gets there, from the pollen fog's effects. The difficulty of redirect is going to be increased the closer it gets to the village. And we have another special rule in this encounter, which is anyone can gain scatter to add a die to any skill roll. Okay. And and we're still at scattered from the other encounter we just we had previously this evening, right? Yeah, I forgot about that. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about that. Don't? Okay. Let me let me get a sip of my thinking coffee here. All right. And what were the words again? The words in the ruins are blooming, forgotten, bright, bat, waiting, light, and Tessa has found the word wind. And what was the one before waiting again? Bat. Like B-A-T? Yeah, like a little Mm -hmm. flappy. Like a little air flappy from the sky. Yeah, like all the bats that are around here. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. All right. The pollinators. Mm Mm-hmm. I should have named this arc (laughs) allergy season. (laughs) (laughs) Missed opportunity. And Kat, only Tissa has wind. I don't see why the party wouldn't know it. Okay, cool. Well, I mean, this is kind of amusing because now Cobb can do wind-wind because I believe wind is a navigator piece. Mm-hmm. Cobb can do wind-wind. <laughs> so now my question is, uh, can I get everybody to roll me adaptability tactics, please? That we can. Cobb got one success and three edge successes. Nice. Uh, Cecile got two successes and one edge. Two successes from Tessa. Uh, one success from Penelope. So, um, gents, if you keep your edge successes, I'd like to get you to put your heads together on this one and agree. I think I'm going to offer this edge success bargain to, to the big boys. I'm just going to allow it to advance for free. Mm, I'm tempted to take it because Navigator, the thing that Cobb is that I totally didn't forget just now, uh, has a bunch of wind powers. Yeah, I additionally can shift and move a fair amount of things, so I'm feeling okay about that. Okay. So a gust of wind blows down the mountain, blowing the fog toward this village. The air is hazy and faintly golden. The moonlight filters in through a gauzy field of airborne pollen. And the party has got a whopping 10 in the advantage pool to start with. So now what would you all like to do? Yeah, what do we want to do strategy-wise? Tissa gets two extra successes on outlast rolls to a natural disaster. Oh, that's your combat specialty? Yeah, is Survivor. Oh, yeah. But I don't know if that is the right way because, like, a lot of the, like, shifting terrain and stuff seems more redirecty. Yeah, I, again, I have a lot of various 
directly wind related powers that I'm thinking will make redirect a little easier for us. So that is my tactical suggestion. Excuse me. There we go. Mm -hmm. The words, the words are coming back to my brain. (laughs) I got that thinking coffee. Mm -hmm. All right. And redirect will send it away from us and the town. Redirect will prevent the pollen fog from reaching the town. Destroy will stop the pollen from being in a fog. And Outlast will protect the people involved from the effects of the pollen. I guess my two first... I guess my first thought is obviously we should probably start moving towards the village just in case, like, it does get there. And I think Cobb, in fact, is going to start moving towards the village and kind of, all right, everybody, come on, we got to go. Okay. Right, right, of course. I think it might be able to give us a little hand here with the changing winds, but we'll see what I can cook up. And Cobb is going to use his assist pool, the winds, um, and he's going to he's going to spend two for Gale and basically use this to kick up some, I guess, rising winds around us to try and keep the pollen off the party. And this is going to be, um, this is just going to be adding to the pool. So this is trying to keep us out of, out of danger's way so we can plan a bit more and move a bit faster without going on the bad trip. So I think Hmm. what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to give me a tactics roll. And we're going to add two to that because that's the value of Gale. So you're automatically going to be adding two successes, and we're going to roll to see how many more you add. How's that sound? Sounds good to me. This will be adaptability tactics because Cobb is just kind of doing all this on the fly. Oh, that's a really good roll. That was three successes. So with the two from Gale, that is five to the pool. So oh, great. How much does it cost to redirect? Redirect right now is six. Okay. So is Outlast, actually. Destroy is eight. So I think Penelope is going to do something that sounds stupid, but it makes sense. I'm listening. Um, She's going to try to advance Outlast by casting Wind Arrow to make sure the wind is going in the opposite direction from the town. Redirect, you mean? Yeah. You redirect, sorry, yeah. Yeah, no, it's okay. I was hoping for Bat Arrow. (laughs) (laughs) Although thinking about it, Bat would probably be pretty good for uh, Outlast because the bats are probably not affected by the pollen as badly as humans are. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They don't seem to be tripping out. And you can tell if a bat were tripping out. Like, Like, winged creatures don't do good when they don't have the coordination down. This is coordination is a key component of flight, especially for less aerodynamic winged creatures like bats. Like a seagull could get pretty stoned and I think would still be all right. (laughs) Well, because they're just falling with style. (laughs) Yeah. Plus, seagulls will already eat anything. So. (laughs) Okay, so you're going to cast wind arrow in an attempt to redirect. Yes. Are you interested in a cord? Sure. Uh, I could add shifting to that to make sure that oh, it's pulling like the wind it. in the right direction. Oh, I like that a lot. 
I also, if you're up for it, could use my Lava Flow ability. And what that takes is the cord will take twice as long to cast, but it's twice as effective. Yeah, no, I'm cool with that. I think we've got a little bit of time before it's like a super big problem for the town. So, yeah. Okay. So now my question is, how much are you taking from the pool? How much are you spending? How much are you trying to advance redirect? Six is the difficulty to advance redirect once. And we have 10 in the pool? We have 15 in the pool. 15, ooh. So we could actually, if you're cool with this, taking each of us three and then six from the pool, we could advance it twice. Which would then four times, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds great to me. All right. So we're each spending three? Yeah, okay. Six from the pool brings the pool to a still healthy nine. So next round, redirect will be advanced four times. Which just leaves us with what is our uh, tactical genius Tissa up to? <laughs> uh, Tissa is, I think, with Cobb and making sure that everyone can move carefully and that, like, Knell is doing okay and is going to be using adaptability navigation. Maybe uh, she is helping, like spot for or lead to a good clearing that the spell can go off. Okay. A success and a four, so I'm going to go ahead and use perfection on that and get two successes. Okay, brings the pool to 11, which is good because now it's the fog's turn. I'm trying to come up with fog hat jokes here, but unfortunately I can't link the two together. So just just imagine I sang really goofy songs, everybody. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Nick, that Hi. was really funny. Great songs. There you go. Yeah, thanks for the good songs, Nick. <laughs> so the first thing that is going to happen is the fog is going to use Fantasia, which is, um, I mean... It's got some regrettable scenes in it, but it also has some very powerful ones. And uh, if you guys would like to spend two not to watch the movie Fantasia, everyone in the fog will scatter one otherwise. I don't think we've got like the 90 some odd minute runtime. So I think we better do that. Yeah, sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to go back down to nine so that we don't all scatter one. As much as I love the dancing thistle people. Yeah, which is great. Because Pollen Fog has a follow-up move called Darkening Fantasy. Your breaths are protected and you are not completely tripping, but this fog is definitely shifting the things around you. The world is unreliable right now. And you can spend six or everyone will take damage equal to their current scatter. Well, I guess we have to do that, huh? Yeah. I think, yeah, yeah, a couple of us are fairly scattered, so probably a good idea to do that. Okay. The next thing that it's going to do, and this is going to go off because you only have three in the pool, is numbness. One party member, I've chosen Cobb, will lose their actions until treated. Mm. And that's going to cost four, so it's going to happen. Basically, Cobb inhales a little too much pollen and his body starts going numb. 
I'll be fine. I just need to not fall on my face. Give me a second. Nope, nope, that's not where I'm... Okay, face is... It's happening. <laughs> so, uh, now it's the party's turn. The first thing that happens is shifting wind arrow. Yeah. So, Bill, Kirsten, please tell me about the shifting wind arrow. Tell me everything about the shifting wind arrow, because I love it. And this is a huge spell. <laughs> <laughs> so... Penelope gets uh, closer to Cecile and uh, together they they put out their hands and obviously Penelope has like this, you can kind of see this sort of like different type of fog shaped in an arrow, like a, a wind and it starts to flow and it's like then multiple other arrows, almost like cartoony style, um, you know, when you watch cartoon wind arrow and they it starts to push against the pollinated fog and uh sure enough it kind of beats it back a bit as you watch these sort of like cartoonishly fog arrows push and push and push bill would you like to contribute to this yeah i think the um the shifting and uh i think more so the lava flow portion of that is like although our hands are like next to each other pushing this arrow the shifting wind arrow out like Cobb changes to, like, a, a fist, like, pulling it back to try to slow it down. And, like, it's just, like, there's a, um, almost like a, like, tidal waves of wind on either side, like, growing up around this thing as it's just, like, sitting and waiting far too long before it actually, like, finally slingshots towards the, uh, towards the pollen. Oh. Oh, I like that a great deal. So, that leaves Tissa. Tissa... Can't treat Cobb, but is going to make sure that he and Knell are finding their footing again. And is going to use adaptability athletics plus empathy. Okay. So that is seven dice. That's so many dice. Three successes of four and an edge success. Three successes of four and an edge success, huh? Um. Mm-hmm. If you keep the edge success, I'm going to advance it again. I'm feeling like we need all of the successes that we can get to weather this. I agree. Yeah. Probably a good idea. It is pretty beefy when it does things. Yeah. So I'm going to take the perfection on the four and take the edge success. So we are looking at a total of five, yeah? Mm-hmm. So we're bringing the total to eight. And Cobb is numb. I'm I'm fine. It's you know, it's just like when your when your leg falls asleep. I'll be okay in a second. Just give me a moment. Watch out for this. Uh, you're gonna trip again. No. Uh. So now I've got another big move to use, which is uh, terror paralysis. The shapes in the fog begin taking twisted and horrific forms. And until Destroyer Outlast is advanced, no one in the party will be able to use skills. They can still use abilities and spells, but no skills. And that's going to cost four to avoid. Hmm. So no skills, no spells. No skills, only spells until Destroyer Outlast. Oh, no skills, only spells. Okay. Yeah. 
we have one more redirect to do. I personally feel like we could attempt to wrap up redirect this coming round Mm -hmm. and let us let this happen. Like, if nothing else, Tissa can overscatter. Plus, I'm still worried that Kat might give us the uh, take damage for all of our scatter again. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That one would be bad. I think almost everybody has. That would make my, yeah, I'd be a very short-lived guest star. (laughs) (laughs) You'd fall over. I don't murder party members. I just make them take naps. I think that it's only Tissa and Cobb that would be standing after that. Yeah, Cobb is not scattered a whole lot, and... Well, uh, actually, I guess, question. Does scattering into the assist pool count? It's a different pool. Okay. So we're saying we're going to eat this one? I think we're going to eat it. Yeah, okay. Okay, so next round, nobody can use skill rules. You can still use your abilities and magic. So the next thing it's going to do is Fantasia. Cause, try to cause everyone to scatter one. You can spend two to avoid it. And the other one cost six last time? Yeah, it did. Okay. I mean, my guess is if it if it does Fantasia and then Dark Fantasia, we should probably just tank Fantasia. Of course, I don't know how much scatter some people have, so maybe we can't. I'm, I'm okay. I can take one. How many scatter would we take? Just one. Okay. Penelope's at eight, so yeah, just, just, uh, she'll still be okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I think its third move is going to be Darkening Fantasy, which costs six to avoid, or else everyone takes damage equal to their current scatter. Well, I think I, I think that's a good time to spend the six. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want that to happen. We don't want to give Penelope the brain damage. We don't. We love Penelope's brain. Don't get brain damage, kids. It's not good. It's not good. It's not good for you. So now my question is, what are non-Cob party members doing? And why is it not skills? So I think Penelope is going to use a... How far is Cobb from her? Cobble is... I don't know. How far is Cobb from her? Cobb is probably fairly close, unless Penelope has run ahead because Cobb is kind of uh, trying to move without rolling his ankles really badly. So he's not going very fast. Because I, I think what Penelope's going to do is she's going to spend this turn going to Cobb and giving him that purifying stuff to help clear the pollen from his limbs. Okay. So now Cobb can feel again. Wow. <laughs> Thank you, Penelope. And we, 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 we prefer that you don't hurt, hurt yourself. We would prefer that, yeah. So I guess in that case, then, what are Tissa and Cecile? It's not Cecil, right? Cecile, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I keep wanting to say Cecil, but I know it's wrong. <laughs> uh, what's the pool at again? Sorry. Two. Yes, the pool is at two. Two? Ah, okay. Yeah. And we need seven? You need six to advance redirect. I thought that you said that the thing... Advanced. Oh, it did advance, right? You kept it. Never mind. It is seven. Thank you for reminding me to make your lives harder. Thanks for asking for homework for the weekend. (laughs) Thanks for reminding the teacher about the test. (laughs) Same team. (laughs) 
Yes, the difficulty to redirect is seven. And we can use skills once we redirect, once we, uh... Oh, God, no, any of them. What's the difficulty for the other two? The difficulty to outlast right now is six. The difficulty to destroy is eight. But we end the encounter if we redirect for seven. Yes. But you regain the ability to use skills if you destroy or redirect. I mean, destroy or outlast. Hmm. I think that Tiss uh, is starting to get worried. She's pretty high up on her assist pool, and she tends to start feeling pretty strongly as the sort of perfection of the stars gets more and more into her head. And I think that what she's going to do is, like, grab Cobb and Cecil and say, there's no more time. Got to do something now. Give me some give me some backup, Tissa. I think I might be able to give us a hand here as Cobb is shaking off the poison. Or I guess it's not poison, it's just pollen. I suppose it's technically poison. It's Anyways. pretty toxic, yeah. Add to... I'm going to cast a spell to uh, give us attempted temporary immunity to um, uh, the effects, uh, by which I mean just add to the pool. And I'm going to yeah. uh, cast... Forgotten Toxin. Okay, like that. Thank you, thank you. Do you get broken when you hit 10 or when you go past 10? When you hit 10, it's nap time. All right. I can only do two then. (laughs) That's okay. That brings the pool to four. Please tell me how this spell looks. You must tell me how this spell looks. Ooh, I'm going to take a little nip off of that... um, what I hope to be the antidote, but just like <laughs> use it as like a cologne, just like put it like on my wrists. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And because Penelope and I had to slow down so much, we we're probably in the back anyway. And I'm just like reaching out and slamming my hands into the ground and like growing up around my hands and then around the feet of all the other people uh, running, just like the ghosts of bat bells kind of looking like just like the the idea the form of bat bells like forms around our legs really quick and it kind of dissipates into the wind oh i like that a lot that's very picturesque thank you so now here's my question is it actually the antidote well i can't make a medicine check so i don't know yeah, you can. Oh. <laughs> it certainly um, tastes like the antidote. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I on purpose didn't taste it. I was not, like, using it as an antidote. Yeah, okay. We'll save that question for later. The knowledge I had from the last time was that one of the things that Kinnell was looking for was one of the ingredients in the thing that I grabbed. So I know that it at least has some effect on it. One of the ingredients in the thing that you grabbed was also a component in the ritual Kinnell is researching. Yes. Right. So that was the knowledge I was basing it off of. Yeah, 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 yeah. Love it. Adds two to the pool. Party's pool is at four. We've got a temporary immunity situation going on. We've got some very sleepy party members. Cobb, Tissa. Uh, In that case, I think Cobb is going to try and put this away. We got a lot of points. Cobb is going to use the spell True Wind. Wait, addendum real fast. True Starlight Wind. Ooh. True Starlight Wind. So it is going to look extra fancy. Mm-hmm. Cobb did ask Tissa to back him up, and Tissa is absolutely backing Cobb up because we are a good team. Yeah. Yeah. Cobb is going to slowly steady himself 
put his hand on the hilt of his captain's dow and cast true starlight wind. And I guess spend everything from the pool that we can and as much scatter as necessary to hit that seven and knock the wind out. Mm-hmm. Four in the pool, which means three between the two of you. We'll knock the wind out. Okay, I'll do one. So yeah. one from Tissa, two for Cobb, and the rest from the pool then to advance redirect. Beautiful. First of all, you do have to tell me about this spell. Tell me all about this spell, please. So as Cobb is writing himself and grabbing for his sword, the air around everybody starts to, like, little small uh, little small gusts and whirlwinds kick up. And in the gusts and little whirlwinds are little sparkling bits of starlight, whatever you want to consider as starlight, little bits of dirt or just the stars. And Cobb draws his sword and points it straight in the air in a huge tornado of these little star particles and dust and leaves and all that stuff shoots into the air. And Cobb brings the sword down in front of him directly at the pollen and a giant wedge of clean air shoots out, neatly parting the cloud so that way it sails around the party and around the village. Love that. Love that. Is there anything that Tissa would like to contribute to this description? No, I think that Nick got it. I just kind of also imagine as this wind is rushing up from ground level and dispersing the pollen, we sort of see it go up real high and kind of like disperse as it goes up and up and up into the sky. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as the the fancy anime flourish, I think, it knocks maybe some of the clouds away so we can see the sparkle of the stars. Get that starlight in there. That's an extremely JRPG spell, Nick. (laughs) Which is exactly what I always want. My favorite part of GMing this game is the sentence, tell me what that spell looks like. It's so good every time. (laughs) Every time. Love it. Yeah. So um, congratulations, everybody. You have successfully prevented this fog of hallucinogenic pollen from overtaking a sleeping village. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> Canal heaves a huge sigh of relief. And so does Cobb, and Cobb just kind of goes, boy, I could use a nap. Yeah. Uh, Tissa, like, is leaning at, like, a 45-degree angle on her spear right now. <laughs> <laughs> I have this image of like when Tissa leans, it's not like it's like her body remains straight. It's just like, <laughs> like <laughs> the Michael Jackson lean. Like you took a drawing of Tissa and just tilted it sideways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cobb looks cool putting the sword away until it actually goes into the sheath and then he just kind of falls to the ground along with it just in one motion. <laughs> oh, is it nap time for Cobb? No, it's not nap time for Cobb, but Cobb also is still kind of fighting off being numb. So he's, uh, he's, he's taking a breather. So you're all very near civilization. There's a village not far. Pavilion. I, I think we should go head towards somewhere where we can get some good sleep. What does everyone think? I, it would be weird if we just wandered into town and just napped, right? But 
it, it would be safe. Yeah. Kat, am I familiar with this village? Is this? I mean, this is close enough to where I yeah. live. Would I know of, like, an inn or a place? Yeah. Okay. This is an arts town. It's Its primary kind of claim to fame is the amphitheater. So it doesn't happen often, but... Every so often, people come as tourists, so they do have, like, a hotel. Okay. It wouldn't be weird at all. There's a place to stay. I, in fact, know of it. Oh. That said, and I'm, like, I'm still standing a little further away from the group, like, looking back up the mountain. Uh, ooh, and uh, eyes wide, like, straightening my mustache. There's an entire ocean of pollen up there. And it could be ours for the taking. Well, problem for tomorrow, I suppose. Yeah, in the morning. In the morning. In the morning. Yeah, and like glint in his eye, he sort of like loosens his shoulders and walks towards the group uh, and towards the town. Hmm. So, audience, you heard me describe Pavilion already. But it is right now fast asleep. All the lights are out. Most of the buildings here in Pavilion are built on stilts. It's not far from the ocean. It's not a seafront village, but you can hear it from here. And there is a single building built up on stilts in the traditional fashion, not far from a huge stone circle. And stone stairs leading down into a depression into the earth. And here the lights are on. There's a couple paper lanterns hanging out front, giving off a faint golden light. I think Cobb is leaning on probably both Penelope and Cecile, mostly because trying to lean on Tessa would be very, uh, probably wouldn't work. We have at <laughs> least a foot of extra space needing to be accommodated there, yeah. Good. The 45-degree angle would become, like, a 65-degree <laughs> Yeah. Our group text did a lot it of homework. It becomes, like, kind of like the the three musky, uh, uh, you know, Larry Curly Moe skit where they're on the ground and they, like, the three do musketeers. That, that walking circle. Larry Curly and Moe, the three musketeers. <laughs> I, just, I said three and I was like, wait, no. And I was like, you know, Larry Curly Moe, not, no, not you, three musketeers. <laughs> no, you got, you got as far as musket, my dude. <laughs> Yeah, Porthos is my favorite three stooge. <laughs> my favorite. Does that Thank make D'Artagnan shemp? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. It absolutely does. <laughs> so the air is clear and the stars can be seen. The moon is just a big, fat, Eggy-looking blob in the sky. You know, that nice eggy color that the full moon has sometimes. It's not full. It's a waxing gibbous, but it's a pale golden. Cobb is also, like, brushing off his jacket. Let's make sure we're not still covered in this stuff, so that way if we go there, we can actually talk to people. Oh. Oh, good idea. Well, don't waste it. And I, like, I have that jar out, and I'm, like, brushing it off the shoulder that uh, he's leaning onto me with. <laughs> you know what? Fine. 
Cobb just kind of sits there like the cat that has given up wanting the other cat not to not to bathe them. It's just like, all right, fine. <laughs> and eventually the party gets themselves dusted off and heads toward that golden light. The yellow colored paper lanterns hanging out front of the the Coral Moon Hotel. The sign has a picture of a bright white crescent moon on it. The building itself has got some coral clinging to its side from a time when the coral made it all the way up here. The building is adorned in white fabric and white streamers and golden lanterns and flowers. And the lights inside are dim, but they are on. And the party walks in to see a sleepy youth sitting at the front desk, staring down at a book, reading by candlelight, and completely shocked and baffled when strangers walk in. They abruptly uh, straighten up, close the book around their index finger so they can find where they were when the business is over, and say, oh, what? Welcome to the welcome to the Coral Moon Hotel. Uh, Hello. Uh, you're here for for rooms, is that right? Rooms uh, would be nice. Please, please. Uh, of course, of course. And they start rummaging. Uh, how many? How many rooms? Rooms. It's not our busy season, so you could all have a room if you want. I guess we have. Ten, ten eyes here, so five people. <laughs> sorry, what? <laughs> don't, don't, don't worry about Sorry. Uh, sometimes I say things more for, for myself, but five. Five people. I think there's only four of us. No, there's no. Canel. Yeah? Oh, right, yes, there is. I was just like, wait, there's four players. Does Cat need a room, too? <laughs> <laughs> and I guess, yes, technically. Cat needs a nap, yeah. Cat is playing yeah, Canel. yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so you the, you make your negotiations and you you pay your your tabs and the the youth hands you some simple little keys hanging from plaques that have all been hand painted with images of flowers and crescent moons, and they have little numbers on them. The numbers four through nine. Sorry, four through eight. Could be four through nine. It's just we didn't get seven. <laughs> yeah, nobody gets seven. Don't ask what happened in room number seven. That's for the next adventure. It's for the next adventure. Cobb is very thankful and on his way is like, uh, where's the water? I could. Oh, um, uh, I'll send I'll send for a basin to to be sent up to your room. Um, jugs of drinking water, obviously. Yeah. I'll... Thank you very much. And they grab a slip of paper from somewhere and put it where their index finger was in the book and then scamper off to go find people to bring water. Okay, I am going to go sleep off my near bad trip that I had there, uh, both metaphorically and literally. Mm. Um, I guess if I'm still asleep when everybody else is up, come come wake me up and uh, we can finish off our little adventure here. Will do. Yeah, I've got, I've got notes to write, Canal says, and they head to 
I'm going to say room number eight. But they leave the light on. The wood floors echo under all of you, especially Cecile and Cobb. And Penelope, because she's bebooted. And that boot has a, has a knife in it now, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does, buddy. <laughs> this is an old-fashioned building. Well-made, well-maintained, lovingly maintained. And from atop the building stilts, you can look out over the village of Pavilion. See down into the darkness of the natural stone amphitheater. Look out over the jungle, see the moon beginning to set. And even at a distance, those of you with rooms on the right side of the building can see the lights of Hushwave City twinkling not far away. And I suppose this is a really good place for memory time, huh? I think my memory time is Tissa is been real good hero, Tissa. She's <laughs> always helping out and helping out Cobb and it's very sweet. Oh. I very much enjoy that like Cecile knows what he's here for. Cecile knows what he's all about. <laughs> and Nothing is going to get in his way, and that's good. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that a great deal about our friend Cecile. He's not messing around. I, I like the dynamic between Cecile and Cobb, mostly because yeah. that's, a, that's a very season one Cobb uh, <laughs> mindset, and season two Cobb is very much just like, look, if everybody's okay, I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> My two different dads. <laughs> I really liked the little moment of Tissa being scared. I thought that was like really a powerful uh, description mm. and that stuck out the most to me. Yeah, I liked that a great deal as well. That's why Cobb had to end it soon. He doesn't want Tissa to be scared. <laughs> Tissa's a big hero. Shouldn't be a scared. <laughs> Shouldn't be a scared. I'm, I'm so glad you all survived this encounter and nothing terrible happened to you. <laughs> well, It was a, like... Intense encounter again. Had to like really think and balance out like how are we gonna weather this? Yeah, we swung very quickly from like a glut of uh, points in the pool to like scraping the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got real aggressive with this one. Yeah, fog very dangerous. <laughs> and I guess Cobb will also find out in the morning whether or not he's okay because uh, yeah, trying to move around when your legs are numb, um, not good. Don't do it, kids. Not good. Don't do it. Yeah. If your legs go numb, just sit there till it's better. Or see a doctor, mm-hmm. <laughs> depending on whether you've done something yourself to make your legs go numb, I guess. Well, the other thing is, who knows how bad Cobb's hangover is going to be mm. from the pollen. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he did ask for a lot of water. <laughs> he did. So, listener, thank you for hanging out with us. We love that you do it. We just love that you do it. It's really great of you. And thank you all for playing with me. Yeah. Always a blast. That's a good time. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad that we played together. So, listener, if you liked playing with us, if you have memories about bizarre hallucinogenic pollen, or if you just want to say hi, 
You can track us down on Twitter at Peach Garden RPGs, or you can visit our website, sortofsymphonies.com. There's an email form you can fill out to get a hold of us there. You can also come play with us on the Heroic Discord. If you've heard us play and have thought, wow, I would love to play with these cool, fun people and Kirsten, um, you can just <laughs> check us out on Twitter and the link is in our bio. Drop on in. We would be glad to have you. You can also chat with us on the Be Gay Roll Dice Network Discord. Hang out with our network siblings, all of whom are cool without exception. It's true. Oh, wait, did we say where we can find Bill? Oh, crap. From the internet. That's okay. Yeah, you know where I am. We all know where <laughs> Bill is. He's right there. <laughs> no, you can find me on uh, Tales from the Tabletop. Uh, that is at TFTT underscore presents on Twitter and TFTTpresents.com. Wonderful. Listener, it's been so glad. <laughs> and listener, it's been a good time. It's been a good time. It's been great. Thank you for playing with it's us. It's been so glad. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. I was going to do the outro, but then I got high. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Had a bunch of good jokes, too, but then I got high. <laughs> and now I'm trailing off, and I know why. <laughs> Goodbye, listener. Bye, listener. Bye. Be gay. Roll dice. An LGBTQIA actual play podcast network. There are, in our world, certain places that seem to draw on the strange. Tragic news on this, the first day of school in Chillhaven, as a local teen has been found dead, under what authorities are describing as mysterious circumstances. The unusual. So sleeping is difficult, because I don't blink, so... Oh my god. The monstrous. (laughs) And then he vomits out his whole skeleton onto his desk. What? And when you were a hip, young teen, coming of age in one of these locations... So I'm, like, walking, trying to, like, subtly unzip my hair out of my backpack. (laughs) It doesn't matter if you are an aspiring scientific genius. What do they fluctuate, Zeke? Molecules? A burgeoning telekinetic. I think you have telekinetic powers. That's so specific for you to say right now. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Or a social media influencer. And she took a a selfie too and she put their fake glasses. (laughs) Your safety is not guaranteed. Why do I keep being made to look at things that shouldn't be? (laughs) In these dangerous times at Chillhaven High. Dangerous Times at Chillhaven High is a real play radiophonic supernatural teen drama. New episodes every Tuesday. Follow us everywhere at Chillhaven High.